This is Gail Morgan welcoming you to the Libertarian Counterpoint. Now, your host, James Just. And thank you for joining us today. With me is John Cameron in the middle, Richard Fields down on the other end, and gentlemen, Russia is all in the news this week. We are recording this on Monday afternoon, just to give a timestamp because these things change rapidly. But the the EU is finally in, intervol, involving themselves in this conflict. In you know, if they had sent them some weapons earlier, maybe we wouldn't be facing this. But also, there's a, it was Richard. You sent an interesting article on the argument against appeasement. Now I know. <laughs> maybe you can explain that one. I think I actually butchered that. You sent an article that actually is kind of in favor of appeasement. It's against the arguments against. Impede. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's an article refuting the the Munich uh, uh, argument uh, in in favor of getting involved. Uh, the Munich moment was when uh, Neville Chamberlain uh, decided to uh, appease Hitler uh, and give him part of Czechoslovakia, which led, you know, with the idea that that would uh, preclude getting uh, uh, England and and the rest of the West involved in in World War Two. That, of course, did not work. Hitler took Czechoslovakia and said, thank you very much, and then went on to invade Poland and uh, the rest of Europe and so uh, then Soviet Union. Uh, so the argument now being used by the warmongers is that we have to stop Putin, Russia, uh, in its tracks as it invades uh, Ukraine, because if we don't, we'll encourage him to invade the rest of the world and uh, repeat the uh, the uh, the scenario of World War II. Uh, the problem with that argument is that Hitler probably would have invaded the rest of the world regardless of what Chamberlain did uh, in, in Czechoslovakia. And the other uh, part of the argument is that there's really no reason for the United States in particular, or really, uh, well, particularly the United States, to do anything. We have no dog in that fight. Uh, it's it's a, a, a very simple case of uh, Putin invading what he thinks is rightfully part of the old Soviet Union. No secret that he's been trying to put together the uh, the former Soviet Union ever since he's come to power in in many different ways. And he, he did it in Crimea. He did it uh, in Chechnya. Uh, he tried to do it in Afghanistan, which, of course, was never a part of the Soviet Union. And the uh, the danger for Putin is that he's going to get involved in another Afghanistan. Uh He's going to get involved in another Chechnya. He actually won in Chechnya, but he uh, influentially had to retreat from Afghanistan. That was before we got involved in Afghanistan. Uh, the the resistance of the Ukrainians to Russian occupation in some parts of the country of Ukraine is fierce. Now, some parts of the country have uh, more Russians than they do Ukrainians, and they're uh, you know they're not uh, really opposed to uh, the the Russian invasion, but the uh, the, the, the Russian invasion, particularly of Kiev, or Kiev, or whatever, however it's pronounced these days, I, I hear it pronounced as but I always uh, thought it was Kiev, but whatever. There, the Ukrainian nationals are extremely uh, uh, against the uh, invasion by the Russians. And uh, interestingly, the, uh, the, the head of Ukraine, president, has issued uh, automatic weapons to anybody who wants one. Uh, to uh, essentially con con conduct a, a, a guerrilla war against the uh, the Soviets or against the, the Russians, and uh, kind of 
makes real the argument, the gun control argument that uh, libertarians have used forever, that ultimately the, the uh, reason for people to own guns is to uh, fend off the forces of evil. And the evil player here is obviously Putin. And the uh, people who are fending him off are not the uh, ridiculous Ukrainian Air Force, which I think has already been destroyed, or even the Ukrainian Armed Forces, which are hopelessly uh, over uh, overmanned by the Soviet, by the by the Russians. So what's left is a, is a, 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 a grassroots uh, guerrilla effort by the people of Ukraine to uh, prevent the occupation of their country by the, by the Russians. And it's uh, so far from the reports that we're hearing on Monday, uh, the the resistance by Ukrainians has been fierce. We hope it continues to be fierce. We'll see. Well, I want to add my two cents. You're wrong. No. Um, yeah, the idea that we what well, we actually have a kind of a weird dog in the fight, and that Biden was messing around in in um, in the Ukraine, trying uh, he uh, was playing internal politics there, and he bragged about it on on the floor of the, the Senate that he got the prosecutor that was going after his phone fired. Um, so he's been messing around there, and and nobody seems to have brought that up. The other thing that's going on is that, um, well, we don't know whether we're getting information or misinformation or disinformation from anybody. What I'm reading in, in uh, UK Telegraph and some other normally pretty uh, believable foreign news sources is that the Russians are doing a horrible job. They're, it's a logistical nightmare for them. Uh, they're running out of food and fuel for their vehicles, and they're disorganized, and they're getting lost, and and lots of Russian troops are just deserting, um, and you know that's what their reporters are telling them. <clears throat> and then um, the the war from from what we're getting through nationalist propaganda radio here, they're saying that uh, it's very unpopular in the Soviet Union. So. But I don't know if it is or not, or if it makes a difference because Putin has the power. He's not really doesn't really care about the electorate um, himself every year. So uh, I think uh, it, it's it's actually pretty hard to invade a, a country, um, you know, unless they just roll over and play dead. And um, you know, the Ukraine Ukraine has always been a thriving. Uh, you know, they're tough people. Uh, and, you know, Stalin realized that when he when he uh, started to collectivize the biggest re resistance in the 30s were the Ukrainians. And he starved four million of them conservatively to death because he didn't want that thorn in his side. And the other thing is, Richard said that their Ukrainian air force is basically non-existent from what I'm reading in in, in typically um, pretty good foreign press is that surprisingly the the Ukrainian Air Force is still flying and inflicting damage on the Soviets, which is weird since they should have radical air superiority. Um, the um, There uh, is a basically a volunteer hacker collective around the world going after uh, anything having to do with Russia, um, Russia's uh, um, 
uh, infrastructure, Russian banking, Russian communications, Russian, all the rest of this. And all these Russian websites are going down, you know, left and right. And um, there's a run on uh, Russian banks, basically. The ruble's getting pounded because of all these weird things people are doing. Whether, I don't know. I mean, I think... You know, on the one hand, I'm a, I'm a libertarian, and I, I think, you know, we, we it's not our place. We've got these oceans to protect us. On the other hand, you know, if you're a little country like the Ukraine and you got a big bully next door, um, and the big bully decides to take over, who's going to help? Uh, and, you know, if the big bully can just take anything at once, then sovereign you know, and so we can get in this discussion about borders and whether we need them as libertarians, probably not. Um, but I think uh, right now it looks like Putin's got egg on his face because the mighty Soviet Union expected to just waltz in and, and uh, crush the, the uh, Ukrainian armed forces and the partisans and all the rest of this. And it's just not happening from what I can read. They haven't taken any major cities except for some in the south east so you know it's a mess and um i don't you know putin's acting kind of like like you know i mean hitler wrote a book that said he's going to invade all these countries and why and and uh and he had that plan going i don't know if it's been putin's plan to you know invade the ukraine forever it kind of looks like that's his strategy i'm just it's a shame you know, because the, all the things that all these foreign governments are doing to try to put pressure on Putin are putting pressure mostly on Russian people who probably don't want him to be there anyway. So it's a big mess. And I'm, I'm glad that Mexico hasn't decided to invade us, I guess. I don't know. Well, war is a mess. And, the, you know, the plans fall apart at the first shot. Right. And yeah. so whether no matter what Putin wanted to do, his military quite literally isn't structured to accomplish it in the time frame he thought he could. I was listening to a, a military analyst, not connected to any government, just a military analyst, and he says the, the, what's going to happen on the ground is very confusing because Russia's, their advance is about as far as you could expect going their logistical concerns. He says about 70 miles a day is about all Russia can actually accomplish based upon their logistical supplies. That's all they can really do. So they've kind of gotten as far as they can go based upon the time. But at the same time, they haven't gotten air superiority. They haven't, they don't even have GPS or night vision goggles on their, on their frontline tanks. They're getting lost. They can't fight at night. Now, maybe it's because they're using conscripts and the draftees as cannon fodder for the first push and bring, waiting for their more well-supplied troops to come in later. You know, we don't know. But, you know, it's, it's, there's this misconnection here that some things are going well. It's going about as well as you could theoretically expect. But at the same time, there's signs that underneath there's cracks that this big Russian bear isn't quite as bearish as it appears to be. And especially if he's now rattling a nuclear saber, you're rattling a nuclear saber at a little, you know, next door neighbor, the small country, it's a third of your size. And you're all so upset after four days that you're going to rattle your nuclear saber or have your space agency guy, I forget the guy's name, was threatening to crash the uh, International Space Station. And apparently, Elon Musk said no, SpaceX would rescue it if you tried that anyway. <laughs> So it's just another one of these goofy things that these aren't positioned. These aren't 
coming these aren't uh moves that are done by people who are speaking from a position of strength and so it's a it's a very strange time but mm. lots of hubris yeah. going around i think is what's happening you know he thought he was going to walk in with minimal resistance and he got more than he was bargaining for can they eventually win sure they can but at what cost mm. i think is well, and, you know, are they willing to are they willing to to pay the price to win you know i think putin we're, we're spending an awful lot of time on a on a for uh, on a, a foreign war, but yeah. think, you know Putin's one of those guys that doesn't like to have egg on his face, and and I'm guessing one of the things that hurt him worst is they 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 took away his position as uh, one of the presidents of the International Judo Federation. That's that's probably hurt him more than anything that U.S. banks could do. So. You know, the Japanese were quite miffed. They said, no, 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 you cannot be president of the Judo Association anymore. Good judokas do, don't, do not do things like this. So anyway, I, I'm, I, I didn't really think that I was going to see a land war uh, in Europe in my lifetime other than some skirmishes, and I am seeing it. And, uh, you know, I didn't think I was going to see a... Uh, I don't know if we're well, we're, we're going to talk. Well, about to me, John, the scariest thing is Germany starting to rearm and trying trying to that. There's some. Yeah, that might be story. the scariest thing from the whole thing. That might There's... be actually the scariest thing to come out of this. An, an armed, uh, an armed Germany could uh, get a hell out of Putin. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's that's a dangerous road to go down. But yeah. talking about a dangerous road to go down, or maybe a dangerous road to get off of, is a better explanation for this when the california school mask mandates are going to be removed on the march 13th i believe was the date 12th or the 13th and of course why they're going to wait till the 12th or the 13th is beyond me at this point you know but they're still going to be strongly recommended well, i know why they're going to wait until the 12th or the 13th that gives all the teachers unions time to organize their strikes uh you don't want to just you know say it's going to be tomorrow because then all those biggest donors don't have time to organize their strikes. You know, California Teachers Union, California Nurses Association, um, you know, spend huge money to buy their puppets in, in office. And uh, he's got to give them time to organize their strikes and sick outs and walkouts and all the rest of that. So, you know, what the heck? Gotta be, you got to be good for the people that pay you, you know? Well, hey, at least they're removing them, right, Richard? Hmm. Well, I, what's interesting about the, uh, not just in California, but nationwide, is the fact that uh, the uh, the CDC, the state governors in blue states, uh, everybody is kind of beating a hasty retreat from the uh, the whole uh, rhetoric of the lockdowns. Fauci is nowhere to be seen. Uh, the uh, yeah. the uh, analysis well, of libertarians retreat. Uh, going back to the earliest months of 2020, which is, that the lockdowns are disproportionate to the threat. That the, uh, you know, the threat is real. COVID is a real thing. It's it's a serious thing. But the lockdowns are uh, causing more harm, or will cause more harm than the lives that are saved. That is something that the uh, powers that, uh, as John puts it, we let be, have I think finally figured out. But they'll never admit it. They'll never say we have been wrong for two years. We apologize. Uh, you know, go back to business as usual. They're just sort of uh, kind of uh, slithering away in the uh, the fog of the uh, headline ceiling Ukraine war. That's that's what's going on. And, uh, I, you know, for these uh, 
mask and vaccination zealots, uh, the Ukraine war couldn't have come at a better time. It hides the fact that they are retreating from their uh, ridiculous positions. Yeah, and and we you know, we touched on something. Hopefully, you know, James, we can cover it. We spend an awful lot of time on the war. That that the the um, you know we could spend twenty shows on the psychological, emotional, physical, and financial hardships imposed upon children uh, in direct non relationship to their ability to get sick and die from this thing. But you know we know for a fact that that uh, certain segments of the population have been really hit by the lockdowns the, the worst. And, you know, the idea that, that the government will never admit that it made a mistake um, and uh, say, mea culpa, and what can we do to fix it? Um, you know, basically, they just use this thing as an excuse to ram through a bunch of uh, um, pork barrel giveaways to people and assume more control over the economy. And, um, you know, everybody knows that. I mean, I was talking to liberals and uh, before uh, the va- the va- when the vaccines were being worked on and everybody agreed that they the vaccines would come out the day after the election if Trump, you know, w- lost. And that was actually the case. So there's been so many politics played with this thing that it's just disgusting, you know? Yeah, and the, the price has been paid for, you know, for small businesses, especially those owned by minorities and, you know, women and especially anybody who was once poor, trying to get out of being poor by starting their own business has had their, their legs cut out from underneath them. By yeah, I mean, meanwhile, corporate America, the, uh, the Amazons and the Costcos and the uh, Targets and so forth, they all stayed wide open uh, throughout the, uh, the lockdown period. It was uh, a case of those who had lobbying muscle and, uh, uh, and political muscle Say, saying, uh, you know, you can have your lockdown, but don't lock us down. We uh, won't let that happen. They didn't. The politicians paid attention to who was lining their pockets and uh, Target and Amazon and Walmart and the rest of the uh, corporate BMS got, got uh, you know, a good percentage of their competition simply wiped out with very little chance of coming back anytime soon. Well, not just wiped out. They were dehumanized. By calling a certain group of people um, essential workers, you're calling all the rest of them unessential. And that is a, just a, a crass dehumanization. And we've seen that just continue during this whole process. And we said here that, you know, you can never go wrong by focusing on fundamental human rights. And when we strayed from those fundamental human rights, we created all kind of damage. And as these recent studies have shown, for, no, for essentially nothing. We've we've caused all kind of damage and hadn't even gotten anything good out of it. It's not like we even saved many lives. We we ended up costing far more damage than we when we saved, and we knew it because we didn't focus on fundamental human rights, and it's that refusal to focus on fundamental human rights that we thought that well we're going to protect people by violating other people's human rights, and you said that can never ever work. Whether it's dealing with a you know, a pandemic or dealing with a warmonger. fundamental human rights is the thing you have to focus on because everything that's the foundation that a civil society is supposed to be based upon and we've lost it yeah when you've got robert kennedy agreeing with Rand paul on the uh the whole uh, approach to the pandemic you know that uh it's a widespread resistance to this misbegotten public policy 
Yeah, well, when, and also when, you know, at, at the beginning, uh, the Barrington project got got stifled in the news. You know, you, you couldn't find it if you looked for it and links to it were blocked. And these were people right at the very beginning who said, what what this minor government functionary organization, the CDC thing that suddenly assumed all this power is doing is fundamentally wrong. And these were people who were near Nobel laureate. And I think some of them were Nobel laureates in in public health and in uh, immunology and in virology and all these other fields. I mean, the big brains from Oxford and Stanford and Harvard and all the rest of us came out and said, quite frankly, the initial data says that uh, who's at risk are people with, with lots of comorbidities and, and very old people, even older than Richard and me, you know, even really old people, and and protect them and let everybody else live their lives because everybody else, according to the data that we saw even two years ago, wasn't at risk. But anyway, we're... And, 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 and data done by a Johns Hopkins study just uh, in the last couple of months uh, proved that uh, it was a, a, a study done on uh, various countries, various states, comparing the results of the lockdowns and the, the mask wearing and all the rest and the vaccination rates. Com you know, a comparison showed that all of the uh, CDC recommended uh, procedures had at most a 1% or something like that, a minuscule uh, uh, difference on, on COVID uh death rates, not to mention the fact that the uh, lockdowns caused death rates from other causes to uh, to go up. Mm. Yeah. That was Johns Hopkins. I mean, it's not not, you know, not some Mickey Mouse, uh, you know, yeah, that, study. That, study, that meta study really kind of brought it all home. And and, you know, you talk to people with kids and educators who don't have a, you know, aren't being paid directly by the government, they'll tell you flat out, a lot of these kids are never going to catch up from the lost education. And who knows what emotional scars they're going to have. You know, I mean, we can beat this thing to death. And I think I think I'm getting the signal that James wants to move on to something else here. Well, I'd like to hear these. I would like to hear, you know, admission of the hey, we're wrong, not because I want to see people punished, but because that's how you learn. And that's how you move forward. And if until we do that, you know, it's nothing's going to we're not. I'm sadly, I don't think we're going to learn much. Yeah. But talking about not learning much and focusing on fundamentals, the federal judge has ruled that omissions changes at top national public schools discriminate against Asian-American students. So mm -hmm. in, a, in an effort to fight racism, we are engaging in racism yet again. It's like we never freaking learn. <laughs> well, I, think, I think we've learned. I mean, people with a libertarian bent have learned and have known this for a long time. I don't know, Richard, you might know who made the statement. He said the way you stop racism is stopping racism. You don't stop it by enforcing a different kind of racism. Was that Clarence Thomas? It might have been. Been. I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah. yeah, I mean that's 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 true. You know, just because uh, one group of people was discriminated against in the past doesn't mean that you discriminate against another group of people to uh, to make up for it. You just stop discriminating. Period. Yeah. Uh, at least as far as the government is concerned, and discrimination in the private sector. You know, we are a discriminating people, or we should be. So, you know, in the private sector, people that want to discriminate don't, you know, I don't think it's a very good idea. And uh, businesses that discriminate end up losing business. So ultimately, discrimination uh, for racial reasons or, or for any other uh, nonsensical reasons becomes comes back and bites you. Uh, but we should make it illegal to yeah. discriminate. It should be something that smart people say, we're not going to discriminate. We will therefore thrive 
because we are making use of the talents of people that those dummies over there are discriminating against. And that, you know, one of the biggest arguments against quotas uh, to me would be the NFL or the NBA. Um, you know, if if you want to, you know, look at all walks of life in this country and decide there should be so many black people having jobs, so many white people, so many Asians, so many Hispanics, and it should be in direct uh, proportion to to uh, their statistical presence in the population, then uh, the NBA is is a horribly uh, racist organization. They're they're all young, they're all black, they're all tall. I mean, wh- why aren't there any old, short white people playing? That's obvious obvious discrimination. That sounds and, like sour grapes on your part, John. What's that? That sounds like sour grapes on your part. No, I, I basketball is not a game I like to play. Um, but it, you can't. It, it's ludicrous, you know, the idea that that uh, uh, in one arena, one very very competitive arena, that that talent outs, and that there are some some natural uh, advantages to certain groups of people that will help them. Uh, if they're disciplined and and their diet's good and they get good coaching to succeed at an extraordinary level. And then saying, but that does not apply to intellectual capacity that, you know, a cultural bias toward hard work, discipline and education should be punished. Whereas in the sports arena, it should be rewarded. It's crazy. And, um, Anybody who can't look at it and see that it's patently foolish, like from the word go, is just stupid. And and you, all you do when you do that kind of thing is, uh, you know, is just upset people. And, and, and I'm glad that the, the Supreme Court, I hate that the Supreme Court has to venture into everything because the government's got its fingers and everything. But I'm glad, you know, that the courts are stepping in and saying, no, 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 that's that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. Sorry, it's just still a 1950s version of race, if you ask me. As someone who's you know raised an interracial family, whose grandkids are more interracial than my children, (laughs) you know, this kind of view on race in a in another decade or two is going to be irrelevant because everybody's you're going to have half the population are going to be interracial, and the rest of the population will have you know at least be married into a -hmm. family that has at least interracial, if not you know completely racial. On uh, it's just. It's a dying mindset, but yet we're clinging to it like there's some well, value I, I to it. I worry about why we're clinging to it. I my theory is that that one of the one of the political parties um, has a benefit from it. They'd never win an election unless they convinced uh, one demographic group that their best interests were at heart in uh, reelecting the people that have basically created all the programs that have suppressed them for years. So, you know, if you can get people to get out of bed first thing in the morning, look in the mirror and identify themselves racially, then you can succeed in in getting their vote every single time. I don't jump out of bed, look in the mirror and go, well, I don't look in the mirror first thing in the morning because I don't want to get scared. But um, I don't jump out of bed and say, I'm a white man. I mean, that's that's not how I identify. And, and you know, so you can't you, any government can't succeed in putting me in this little box based upon my race because I'm not going there. But if you can succeed in putting people in that box, 
making them identify that way, goading them into it, leading them into it, constantly bombarding them with information saying, uh, you know, your lot in life is completely derived from the from the color of your skin, then you got their vote. And that's why it's going to continue happening until it stops working. Well, and John, sadly, it's not just race anymore. They're putting smaller and smaller boxes around more and more people in order to control them politically. And, you know, it's it's sad for our culture. But what's also sad is we appear to be almost out of time. We want to thank you, John and Richard, for being for being here this week. We want to thank you all for watching. And from Libertarian Counterpoint, please remember to love everyone.